Hey, I have a little something in my heart. I believe the Holy Spirit put in my heart for somebody this morning that you feel like, um, and this is very serious, that you feel like you're in, you're kind of stuck. You're in a stuck place. And, and that has to do with a number of factors. It's not just one thing. It's a number of factors. And the Lord wants you to know you're not stuck. And actually, he's good at p- leading people out of stuck. The truth is God specializes in bringing people out of stuck. And he can lead you out if you'll be led. But you're not stuck. And the Lord wants you to be encouraged this morning. Whoever that may be, it may be one of you. It might, it might be all of you. And, um, but if you'll be led, he can lead you out of that place. Trust him for that. And, uh, and, and just think about his word too. So often he delivers us into a wide open and free place. And God's wanting to do that in your life this morning. Amen. Well, we're um, teaching uh, more than a book. If you'll recall, we had done about four weeks of that. And then uh, we had our Palm Sunday service. Um, Hosanna. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I'm, I'm thankful that we need help, but help, help is here. Amen. And then last week was Easter and we had a wonderful uh, weekend and now we want to get back on this teaching concerning more than a book. What book might we be talking about? The Bible. Good, good deal. And um, we have seen a number of things already regarding the Bible, that it is light. The scripture says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. What is that all about? That's about helping us to see, helping us to see. Because uh, without it, we can't see. And it helps us to see where to step and when to step and where not to step. And, and listen to me. And that's for wherever you may be. You might be in a, in a wonderful place and you don't want that messed up. And so the light of God's word will show you how to have preservation in your life. You might be in a painful place today, a tough place that you never thought you would be in. And you know what? It's a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path that will help you out of that as well. We also saw that the Bible gives us warnings. I'm a firm believer that prevention is better than search and rescue. And so if there's, if there's warnings, and the scripture gives us warnings all over the place in life, and you won't know those warnings if you don't read and heed you know, what scripture would say. And then we also saw that, that the Bible, more than a book, is a key to answered prayer. Um, it shows us, and I'm not... I'm not diminishing the Bible at all, but it shows us the word shows us what we can pray for and how we should pray. It shows us what's on the menu so that you're not asking for things that God is not willing to, to bring into your life. It lines you up with his will. His word does that. And uh, so we want to continue on this morning. Now, again, remember that God's word is God's will. Would you say that with me? God's word is God's will. And God's word is God speaking to who? God's word is God speaking to you. I I, I need you to say that one too. Say God's word word is God speaking speaking to me. me. And, And that is so important. And when you read God's word, don't just read it. Let it speak to you. I posted this week too this thought, and I want to get it back out to you again. Stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Because if you spend all your time listening for a voice, listen to me, you'll hear one. You'll hear one. And so stop spending your time for some vague something out there and go with the sure thing here of God's word. Look for a verse. And the more that you are versed 
in the verses, the better you're going to be able to hear his voice. Because you're going to know. You know, if somebody came to me and said, hey, Alicia said this about you. You know, some weird something or other. I go, not my Alicia. Because I would know her voice. Or she said this about the kids. Or she said this about the Lord. And if some far off thing. And, and they said, no, she said it. I heard her say it. You know what? I know her voice. I know her word. I know her, her will in the, in, in the same way. So it's, it's so important that when we know his word, then the voice that we would hear, so to speak, is going to line up with his word. We'll know that that is God's character or it's not God's character. So be careful of that. Stop listening for a voice. Start looking for a verse. There are many symbols for the Bible that we find in the Bible. A few of them, it's a sword, it's a hammer, it's fire, it's light, it's a mirror, it's water, milk, meat, a rock, and today we're going to look at the word of God is bread. The word of God is bread. How many of you like bread? Good deal. We're glad you're here for the bread. These symbols help us to see how to connect with the Bible, and they also show us what the Bible will do in us and for us. So it kind of helps us to see, oh, the, the word is a mirror. You know, we can actually see ourselves uh, in a better way, in a better light. And the word is a hammer and the word is a fire. And so we can see how that works. And today, as I said, we want to dive into this whole idea of the word being bread. And Jesus' first temptation in Matthew's account of this, in Matthew chapter 4, and we'll read the first four verses here. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, let me make this real clear. How many of you know you don't have to go to the wilderness to be tempted? I mean, you know, a lot of y'all get tempted in town, okay? And, and this is not just some special place where the devil lived, you know, that the spirit led him out there. This was a, a divine appointment that God knowingly uh, would bring about here. In verse 2, it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was, you would be too. Actually, you would not just be hungry, you would be flat nuts. That's what you would be. And uh, I, I've heard of a couple of people trying to fast 40 days and look at your pastor real quick. I don't recommend it. Okay. I just don't recommend it. Uh, you know, you may have a friend that fasted 40 days. Yeah. And, and I imagine your relationship now is you can visit them on weekends, you know, but you need to be careful of this because the son of God knew what he was doing and how to handle this. There are common sense ways to approach fasting and you do not just dive in. I'm going to be like Jesus in every way. No, sir. You need to, you need to be real wise about this and take some, some good common sense. Uh, and I, and I believe in fasting. It's not my favorite thing. And that's part of the way it's wound up that way. Okay. I like to keep some bread nearby. So Let's read on. Now, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, let me point this out. It's usually when you're off a little bit. It's usually when you're vulnerable. That's when the enemy's going to speak the loudest and show up uh, in your life. Now, when the tempter had come to him, came to him, he said, if, notice that, if you are the son of God, because it seems with the enemy, identity is always an issue. He's always trying to get you off your true identity. If you, are, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. He quoted out of Deuteronomy 8. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Again, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds uh, from the mouth of God. I think the devil, and let me just add a little bit of his nasty tone in here. Part of what he was questioning and is saying this, why are you hungry when you have the power to do miracles and you have the power to create food if you wanted to? You do have that power, don't you? And I kind of think it's that insinuating tone that he, he comes at Jesus with. And he's always trying to get you off topic, off mission, off radar. That's what the enemy's always trying to do. And Jesus responded back and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he's saying it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes more than bread to stay alive. And we're going to explore this this morning. In the Message Bible, it says this. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes, watch this, it takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. It takes a steady stream. Read that with me. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Now, in Jesus' day in Palestine and in many other cultures, bread meant food. So when we say your daily bread, we're not just talking about you're going to eat bread all day. How many of y'all some days would like to just do that though? I, I just think I'd like to eat some bread all day. Come on, come on. You know it. You, you dress it up though. And call it pizza and things like that. But. So our daily bread is our daily nourishment is what it stands for. Not, we're not just eating bread all day. And our bodies require proper daily nourishments. Our bodies do. If your body does not have proper daily nourishment, then you're not going to grow. You're not going to live. You're not going to be healthy. You, you won't be able to heal. You won't be able to recover. You won't have energy. You won't have strength. You won't be able to think right. All your other systems are not going to work good. You will not be thriving if you do not have proper daily nutrition. Are you with me? The same is true of you spiritually. Now understand this. You are not just your body. This is your earth suit. You have to wear You live on the inside of here. It's just your earth suit. Some people do nothing for their earth suit. Some people, that's all they do is take care of their earth suit. And you've got to realize that the real you, the real person, is the hidden man of the heart, the spirit and the soul that's on the inside. And that also requires that you have proper daily nourishment or you're not going to grow. And you're not going to thrive. And you can't heal and you can't recover and things will come and you won't have strength and you won't have energy and you won't have creativity. That won't be happening. And in the day of adversity, you faint in the day of adversity if you're, there you go, if your strength is small. And a lot of times, and as we talked about, the problem's not the problem. Strength is the issue. And sometimes it's just because we have not fueled ourselves, we have not fed ourselves. You know, sometimes, uh, last week one day with um, my youngest son, we were out in the kitchens, breakfast time and so forth, and, and we we're talking, and he said, I really don't want to eat today. Uh, for breakfast. I said, you're going to get something because he is so active. I mean, he is just so active. If he gets, he's thrilled if they get to run miles in PE. He loves it. He wants to get there early so he can go to the gym and play some basketball extra. He begs us to stay late after school. Be late to pick me up so I can hang out. And, and, it, and then when he gets home, don't park there. I got to shoot baskets, you know, and, and, and you just, and you can't do that without fueling yourself. And I said, buddy, I'll do you a disservice if you don't eat something. You're going to make me eat? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. 
And so, you know, we have to fuel ourselves in that way. And then once he eats, he's fine. He loves it once more. So Jesus, in essence, his reply back to the devil, and this is kind of my take on this, his reply back to the devil, in essence, he's saying, it is deception. I want you to get this point, okay? It is deception to think that life or a better life or more life is going to come from anything other than the word of God. Hear that again. The devil said, hey, turn, turn these, these stones into bread. You got the power for that, don't you? And Jesus said, you know, bread, I could do it. But it's deception. It's deception to think that I can have life or a better life or more life from anything other than the word of God. What gives me life is the steady stream of words that come from God. And see, I think sometimes we look at this all backwards, and certainly, just as the tempter was involved there, he's doing the same thing in our lives as well. It's very important that we receive proper daily nourishment. And I want to say this again, because this this is big. I want you to get this. It is deception. You would be deceived to think that you can have life, that you can have better life, that you can have more life by feeding on something other than God's Word. In 1860, how many of you remember 1860? We had three, four people in first service. They were there. They were. One of them still drives. It's the guy with the turn signal on all the time, that, that guy. In 1860, two gentlemen, Robert Burke and William Wills, in response to a competition led 19 men on a 2,000-mile expedition from the southern tip of Australia to the northern tip. Again, this is 1860. took them a good while. They loaded up all of their supplies. They were ready to go. This was a land that was not conquered yet. There were aborigines throughout the land, natives to the land, but this is not, the white man had not kind of gone through this yet. And so this competition to do this. And they went from the very southern tip. It's about a 2,000 mile journey. Them and 19 men had camels, they had horses, they had supplies, had all of these things. And they went several times. They got stuck along the way. They ate a camel one time. In high school, I worked at a gas station and I worked with a guy who smoked a camel, but um, (laughs) these guys ate a camel. Ate one of their horses. Finally, their horses are dying off. They're all sick. And they come to a place where they actually get stranded because of the land. The lay of the land was so hard. And they found themselves kind of hemmed in by a swamp land that was really just impassable. And having no other food source, one of them said, we interacted with some aborigines earlier. And they told us something about this plant that we could do something with this plant. But they didn't get the full detail on it. And so what they did, they went on the knowledge that they thought that they had, and they made bread from this plant. They made bread, and let me just read this out for you, and also they called them cakes of, from the sporocarps of a clover-type plant called the nardu plant. And the sporocarps are kind of like anything that has spores to release. These were like little encasements that would hold that. And they used that in this clover-type plant And they made bread and they made cakes out of that. Here's the thing. It has no protein. It has no carbohydrates. It has no vitamins in it. 
but it contains something called thiamines. And thiamines destroys thiamine, which is B1, which is pretty vital for your system. Further, if, if there's any left in you, it will deplete you of it. But the deceptive thing about this bread that they made is it would fill you up. You felt full. You felt like I just had a good meal. And yet you starve to death. And in their writings, only one man made it out alive. Only one man made it out alive and they found him near death. It was some people that came. They've been gone too long. Let's go, go try to find him. And they, and they found him. And then they found writings of these guys. And they said, when we eat this, we feel so full and satiated. But yet our legs and arms are skin and bones and we can barely move them. We are so weak. And so here they were feeding on something that filled them up. But it did not bring nourishment to them. Move ahead a hundred years. And in 1958 through 1962, in China, they had the Great Leap Forward campaign in China. China was severely closed off to the rest of the world and even more than it is now. And they, in an effort to cause agriculture to produce more, decided to uh, do this overproduction on their lands. And instead in Instead of just planting what they were planting to feed their, uh, their growing population, multiplying population, instead what they chose to do was not just plant what they were planting, but to double and triple what they were planting within the same amount of space. And what happened with that, it did not bring them increase, it brought them incredible decrease. About the same time that this was failing, they suffered a great drought. Coupled with the failure of the crops and the drought that came, horrible mismanagement, horrible corruption, horrible policies, you ended up with this huge famine. And as a result of it, and the numbers, they're not sure of all the numbers. A number of experts think this, though, because uh, there, the government was not cooperative to get a lot of this out, tried to hide a lot of this. But the estimates are that 23 million people starved to death during this time. Here's the thing. Hungry farmers, hungry villagers began to take tufts of earth that had moss, that had roots, and they endeavored to make bread. And they made bread that would fill them, but it had absolutely no nutritional value. One writer said they actually would have gained more value by eating part of their garments. But instead, they made these bread from tufts of dried up earth and grass and roots and made this bread that had no value to them as far as their nourishment. And again, the same thing. It made them feel full while they starved to death. And 23 million people died that way. Look at me. That's what's happening in our country. That's happening in our world that people are feeding on things. Because you listen to me, everybody's hungry church, everybody's hungry and everybody, I I'm hungry for something. And I'm telling you what, when you're hungry, you're going to find something to eat. I said, when you're hungry, you're going to, you're going to go be looking for something to eat somewhere. And people are trying to fill a hunger. And just as Jesus said, it's deception though, for you to think that you can fill that hunger and that you can live and that you can have life and you could have a better life. You can have a more life and you're trying to do it apart from feeding on something that would actually nourish you on the inside. Are you with me so far? 
Only God's word can give you that. Only God's word will nourish you in those ways. People trying to fill up on things that make them feel full, but they end up weak and sick and starving. God's word is bread. I said, God's word is bread. Say it with me. God's word is bread. Now, Jesus repeatedly declared of himself, I am the bread of life. And we know that Jesus and his word are one. A few weeks ago, we established that in this series. But let's look at this from a little different approach here. In John 6, verse 33, the true bread, Jesus is speaking, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives what? Gives life. The bread gives what? The bread gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Skip down to verse 48. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread of heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will what? Come on, everyone who eats this bread will what? They'll live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. And so Jesus is our bread. And the word is the bread. But let's just look for a moment here. How do we eat Jesus? How do we feed? How do we we eat Jesus? This bread, and the first thing would be this, is that you trust him. When you trust, you partake. This is not just some mental little wink, Jesus, you're okay. It's, it's not about this. This is a, a line that you step over. This is a line that you cross and say, I, I trust you because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle life. I can't stay alive without you and you step over and that is part of the way that you that you feed on this secondly would be this fellowship everybody say fellowship and fellowship in first john chapter one talks about this a little bit fellowship brings joy to relationship fellowship brings joy to relationship did you know it's possible for two people to be related but have no joy Don't look at anybody. (laughs) They might share the last name, but they have no joy. Why? Because they have no fellowship. They have no fellowship. And so fellowship brings joy to relationship. What is the joy of the Lord? Strength. Strength. And so it's to trust. It's to fellowship. This is how we feed on this. And then finally, it's this. It's to read and feed on the word. It's to read and feed on the word. And in doing so, you receive of this bread of life. And the bread gives what? The bread gives life. And those who would eat of the bread, they're, they're going to live. That means what? That you're nourished on the inside. Listen to these verses real quick. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Watch this one carefully. Your words were found. And I what? I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Hold up right there. Your words were found and I ate them. Have you ever read a book and I just ate that up? You watched a movie, I just ate that up. Some mini series on TV, I just ate that up. You know, whatever it would be. Your words were found and I ate them. And get this, and they were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. You know what that's saying? I got nourished. 
I can feel it. I can feel the strength. I can feel the life because your words were found and I ate them. And then your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And then in, Jer- in Job, brother, 23 verse 12, he says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. Watch carefully. I have treasured the, the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So let me show you a couple of things real quick here on how we can go a whole nother level here of eating, of partaking of this bread of life. First of all, you need to taste it. You need to taste it. Psalm 34, eight says, taste and see, not tasty freeze. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who trust in him. So taste, you got to taste it. How I many you know sometimes in the mall and the food court, different places, they got people, you know, standing out with little trays of food. Y'all here? Why are they there? They want you to, they obviously are hopefully believe in their product. If you just taste it, you'd come over here and you buy some. I'll give you two of them. I don't know, some of y'all go, I've got six friends. Can I take them a, a sample too? And you go have your free meal. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. But you got to taste. And ha- did you know that having, having a Bible is not enough? I mean, some of y'all have the 64-pound Bibles on the reinforced coffee table in your living room. Holds flowers, new, newspaper clippings, you know, dried flowers, different things in there. What's that for? It keeps the double away. That's what that's for. Yeah, what are you going to do? Throw it at him? What's... It's there and we honor it and we believe it. But don't touch it. Don't read it. And you need to taste. Everybody say taste. And then when you taste then, then you also need to chew. You need to chew. Chew, what are you talking about? Meditate. Meditate on the word. Meditate. How do you meditate? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever worried about something? No, I mean really worried about something. No, not 10 minutes worrying about it. I'm talking like three weeks. You're you're worrying about it. Come on, come on. And you stand there talking to somebody. Yeah, it's good to see you too. And inside, you're you're not having conversation with them. You're what? You're worrying about this. I hope this all works out. Good to see you. Right? Have you been there? You know how to meditate. You do. You think about it. You sleep with it. You take baths with it, showers with it. You drive with it. Any moment that you're not totally occupied with something else, there it is. You're talking about it, making up songs about it. Woe is me. You know, you're just going... So if you know how to really worry, you know how to meditate. And then let's see if you remember this one. See if you can do better than first service here. We did this a couple weeks ago. RPM. You remember this? What's the first one? Read. Second one? Ponder. Some of y'all are just making up stuff as we go. Radishes, pimento marshmallow. Come on. 
Read, ponder, memorize. Good. Say it again. Read, ponder, memorize. Every time you get in the car, there's a reminder. There's an RPM dial right there to remind you. Read, ponder, and memorize. We're going to talk about memorize a little bit more in a few weeks. And let me give you another one here. And this one is huge. Church. Everybody say church. You think I'm joking when I say that church stays effect the rest of our days? This is one of the ways that we feed on the word. This is one of the ways that we eat the bread of life. Because this is going to be, listen to me, this by design is going to be more intense. It's going to be more impacting. Everything goes into this. An atmosphere is created. Prayer goes forth. Gifts are given. Anointing comes. People gather. The Holy Spirit shows up. Hungry people show up. God meets in that place. He's got holy information that he wants to feed his people. And so it's important. It's intense. And you need to be intentional about it to get to church. Because that's another way that we're feeding on the bread of life. Listen, when we're teaching and preaching the word of God, we're literally breaking bread. You know... In the world, it's, the world is kind of like a big carnival. And in the midway of that carnival, church is the beef stew booth. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's right between the cotton candy booth and the onion ring booth. And just catty cornered to the church is the funnel cakes and the snow cones. And let me tell you how a lot of people think they can live. What's it going to be? Funnel cakes? Snow cones? Let's go to the sausage booth? And we think we're going to live that way. But let me tell you something. One day you're going to wake up not feeling so good. And you're not going to have energy. And you're feeling hungry. And this stuff just not, does not satisfy anywhere. And let me tell you where you need to cart your little self. You need to cart yourself over to Tim's Beef Stew booth. Okay? You need to, you need to get you something good and some substance. And that's what the word is. And every time we come together, think about bread. Every time we come together, when I'm teaching and preaching, whoever's teaching and preaching, we're breaking bread. You're receiving bread when you come. I'll be right with you. I mean, when you walk in, I tell you. Now they're with me. When I walk in, I tell you, this is the day the Lord has made. See, and this is what you need to do when I'm teaching preaching. You're like... Listen, so when we come together, we're teaching and preaching, we're breaking bread. Greater is he that is in you. It's, it's all right. Five second rule. It's good. Pick it up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Anybody hungry? See, this is the way church needs to be. Without him, I can do nothing. Blocked. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anybody hunger over here? Nothing is impossible with God. You hear me? He's the great I am. By, by his stripes I'm healed. Be kind to one another. Be salt. Be light. Uh, you don't muzzle the ox that treads out the grain. That's, that's good girl. I need a little help here. If you need water, come on around too. I was going to do that and then T-bow, but I, I decided. Listen to me. Do you get it? We don't come to church. Well, sorry. We don't just come to church. Just kind of sit there. Give our little amen, dream about the cafeteria, whatever it would be. We are breaking the bread of life. And it is deception. It is deception for us to think that we're going to get life, a better life, more life, by something that's out there, that's something in the world, some new thing coming along, some person, some activity, some sin, some whatever. That's not going to feed you. You might feel full for a little bit. How many have been there? You felt full for a little bit with stuff. And starving to death. Starving to death. Eat of this bread and you'll live. Daily, proper nutrition. Taste. Chew. Meditate on it. Read it. Ponder it. Memorize it. Get yourself to church. Listen, no wonder, no wonder... The devil is constantly supplying you with lame excuses, number one, to not read the Bible, and number two, lame excuses to keep you from going to church. Well, my knee's feeling a little tricky today. And then your buddies call you up, hey man, we're going skiing. I'm there, bro. And you end up full for a little bit, starving to death. The word is bread. Eat it and live because it's more than a book. To get anything at all today. Thank you, Lord.